Hello, everyone. My name is Kate. And my name is Carol Cannon. And you're listening to ArtWise. Hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday or whatever day it is when you're listening to this. Hi. Welcome to ArtWise. Today I have with me Carol. I am so, so excited for this episode. I have been waiting. It's been on my calendar for about a month now. and I've been waiting to record it, so I'm super excited uh, because uh, actually, Carol, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, tell everyone what who you are, what you do, and what you're here on ArtWise to talk about today. All right, Kate, thank you so much. I don't think you could possibly be as excited as I am since I've never done this before. My name's Carol Cannon. I live here in Astoria, New York, right outside of Manhattan. I just biked from my home to my studio here in Long Island City. And I wear a couple of different hats. Primarily, I think of myself as an artist, a painter. And these days I'm exploring ink. You know, about 15 years ago, I started experimenting with ink, unlike my undergraduate degree, which was primarily working in acrylic. And um, it just keeps leading me down this really interesting experimental path. But I'm also a writer. I've finished a memoir that I'm interested in publishing now. And I currently work part-time at the Pollock Krasner Foundation, where we give other artists grants to continue supporting their projects and their livelihoods. And, you know, I have a degree in creative arts therapy and all sorts of other healing certifications. So I straddle art in healing and art business. And the last thing I'll mention is I also manage the remaining collection of paintings of Ahmed Yakubi, this Moroccan abstract painter who was really a, a pioneer in abstract painting back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So I juggle all, the, all those things. That's amazing. Is it? Does it ever get difficult wearing so many hats? You know, I've been doing it for so many years that I just am, I consider myself kind of a master juggler. You know, I, I do like, I do definitely believe in variety as the spice of life. <laughs> so I don't ever get bored. I have, you know, I originally wanted to make a living as a healer to support my art. And then at a certain point, I say, well, let me just go directly to the art to have my art support me. So I miss doing some of the healing work. But now and then, people ask me for help using that. So I feel like it's still in my life. And I haven't had to sacrifice anything so far. Yeah, I I definitely I think it's always really inspiring to hear artists who kind of do a lot of different things. Uh, I also am an artist, and I I'm kind of in the healing space. I'm not a healer. I well, I wouldn't consider myself to be like a like a Reiki master or anything of of that. Well, I'm not a Reiki master. I should say that I'm. So I like when I say I'm not a healer, that's kind of what I mean. <laughs> But I definitely, I spend a lot of time in the spiritual space and I love having guests on ArtWise um, who are um, more in that space. And I always think it's so amazing to hear people that were able to kind of keep all of the things that they love to do and do them all successfully. 
it's it's pretty frequently on this podcast I'll have artists come on and they'll say I just want to I just want to focus on the art I don't want to have to learn anything else or I don't want to have to do anything else but I found that through starting my business and through starting this podcast it's really the things that I thought maybe I might not like like the business side of things or like the marketing side of things or putting myself out there and being on a podcast that I was like, oh, like I'm, I'm going to do this because I feel like I have to market myself because how can people support you if they don't know who you are? All those things that I was like, oh, I might not like it, but I need to, it's something I need to learn. All the things that artists talk about, they don't want to have to learn it. I actually really, I found that I enjoy all of it and I'm really glad that I went that route and that I'm able to wear all these hats that I really like. So that's it's, really good to hear. You know, I'll admit it's still not my favorite aspect of it, but it certainly has made me feel like I've put my big girl pants on, you know, like I, I, I'm i responsible and I know a little bit about business now. So that's great. You're enjoying it. You know, that helps a lot that <laughs> you don't dread it because, you know, a lot of, like you say, a lot of artists just refuse and they're hurt by that, you know, because <laughs> as you say, no one learns about them and they can't go too far. Yeah, I think it's definitely really, really good to keep an open mind. If there's an opportunity that you really want to take, and then all of a sudden someone tells you, oh, well, in order to do this, you have to learn this, or you have to do this first. I, I know so many people who would just stop right there and they're like, no, I don't want to do that. But I mean, if you stay a little like open-minded, if you find out that you really, really don't like it, you can always stop, but you can't you can't accept an invitation that you have already declined. So <laughs> I like that. No, I agree. I agree. And, you know, I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt who said that, you know, whatever you're afraid of, you must do. And I've always lived by that. You know, anything that I feel like, oh, you know, no, I realize, oh, I have to go do that because I want to overcome my fears. Yeah. So speaking of doing all, all of this fun stuff <laughs> that you do, so you have an upcoming exhibition called In the Flow from Heaven to Earth. Is that right? That's correct. Yes, yes. I have, I've named another exhibition In the Flow, but it was with the five elements. But now I've decided it's actually more complete to say from heaven to earth. That yeah, I mean that does sound <laughs> that does sound complete. I was wondering if you could share more about the inspiration behind this exhibition and the themes that you'll be exploring. Yeah, well, it goes back to my you know surprise discovery of the magic of ink. You know, I always thought ink was oh a little superficial and thin, and you know you could do nice washes, but I didn't understand that it opens up a world of subtleties and layering. And um, primarily, to me, it's almost like the spirit can be expressed through the ink, especially like with Chinese brushes, in a way that is so direct and spontaneous that as we, you know, as we are all channels, as a channel, you know, having a brush in your hand and having the ink, you know, deliver the intention or the impulse from heaven, you know, the higher frequencies, down through our systems, out our hands. To me, the, the ink is like an expression of spirit. It's a giving embodiment to that, you know, chi or that life energy. So in the flow from heaven to earth is all about, you know, not only my process of asking, you know, 
higher frequencies to work through me while I'm painting, particularly outside, but also inviting people that are either looking at the work to be able to be receptive to that sort of physical, visceral experience of, you know, being elevated by higher frequencies. And for students, you know, I want to be able to guide them to a nice, centered, open place where they can receive those, you know, that higher energy and be, you know, experience directly being a channel with their ink and their brush and their rice paper or whatever. So in the flow is just literally what it says, you know, allowing higher power and all the whatever name you want to call this unified field to work through us. And, you know, from heaven to earth is a bit of an analogy because heaven can be right here if you're aligned with that frequency. But with the Asian and the Chinese imagery, you know, the sky, or in my case, I like to believe that the center of all creation is the source through which all these frequencies are being downstepped through different layers and through our chakras and through our body. And so I see it in the flow from heaven to earth. And earth being our bodies, you know, the elements and the paper on the desk. You know, this is this is where, you know, the expression takes place. So I hope that answers your question. It does. That's that's amazing. So I'm curious though, have you always approached art sort of like from the perspective of like you kind of are channeling? Or was that something that came after? I kind of just want to know, like, what order these things came in? Like, did you start your healing journey and then art came later and then you always saw yourself as a channel? Or were you an artist and then the healing journey and then you were like, oh, I'm channeling. This is what's happening. Like, It's more of the latter from the standpoint that I've always been an artist and spiritual matters have always been, you know, my interest and inspiration although I did a degree in illustration, which was all about, you know, giving, you know, images to other people's ideas. But in my heart, I really always wanted to express this, this divine inspiration that I could get in touch with in my meditations. And that did start pretty early. I remember, you know, some of my early work. That's what the imagery was conveying, but the process wasn't. You know, the process was very... You're like, oh, I wanted to draw, you know, this woman with her arms open on the mountains with this, like I wanted to do it all very, you know, representationally. And I managed that. But I think given our times and given my own healing journey of getting into my body, getting in touch with my body, and then learning Reiki and all different healing modalities, the light bulb kind of went off that, oh, this is what I'm doing. This is an extension of what we learn in Reiki, where we are instruments of universal life force. And as you may know, since you've spoken about it, you know, the energy is coming down to the top of our heads, through our hearts. And believe it or not, our hands are sub-chakras of the heart. And so here the brush, well, I just have a really funny wide one, but the brush becomes an extension you know, of our hand and the bristles, uh, the same thing, and the ink just comes flowing. So as far as my journey, 
that's when I became more clear and deliberate about when I go outside or even when I'm working in my studio, I pause, I usually do a little meditation, and I inwardly ask, you know, the higher spiritual forces to work through me and to give something of meaning and hopefully beauty that others will be healed by or touched by or, you know, elevated by. So that is sort of the sequence of, you know, how this process developed. That's in- interesting. And do you have the same approach when you're determining what new opportunities you take on? Because you have a very diverse background in the artistic field. So when you're trying to figure out what what doors you should open and, and which ones you shouldn't, is, is that the same sort of process that you take? Well, from the standpoint that I do rely on meditation, you know, and my different breathing techniques to, you know, quiet my mind and to listen to guidance. I rely on that daily. (laughs) And that's the source of my decisions. And, you know, uh, of course, I have been living by a vision. You know, I have a vision statement that I worked out many years ago, and I keep revising it slightly. But I definitely believe in the power of intention. So things that may approach me or opportunities that come from the outside, I sort of can sense whether they're in alignment with my vision or my heart or my life purpose or, you know, and even I trust, I trust that even desire itself is an expression of spirit. Like if somebody has a strong desire for something, well, that's usually their spirit is calling for that. And so I just see if these opportunities line up with, you know, my heart. Wow. So when you are kind of sensing if something is in alignment with you or not, is that something that gets easier over time? I'm curious because I, and I know a lot of our listeners are um, very young artists, like a big percentage of them are, are even like still in high school. So I know that I think, knowing when you're in alignment is I think something that comes with time as you kind of grow into yourself. So I'm curious, is it something that you had to develop or? Absolutely. It was really that journey from the mind to the heart, from the standpoint that I used to be very dominated by just thinking, like I just thought I had to figure everything out with my head. I really didn't exist kind of below the chin. (laughs) And I know that was some sort of disassociation from, you know, early trauma. And so I had to learn to get in touch with my feelings. I didn't even know what a feeling was at age 29 or 30. And I was like, what's a feeling? I I went to therapy and she said, well, what are you feeling? I was like, what's a feeling? And so I I wound up going to, um, you know, this was also just sort of coincidental. I wound up having the opportunity to go to... um, improvisational dance class and this teacher was encouraging us to get into our bodies now I didn't even know what that expression meant you know get into my body like am I not in my body but I didn't understand that it was developing that sense of what my gut is feeling and being embodied and so I had to learn to be in my body and listen just to my my gut and my instincts and my heart and it has 
been a journey because, you know, especially in relationships, I would always give people the benefit of the doubt rather than listening to my, you know, little red flags that I saw. So, you know, it's an acquired skill, but I think at a certain point, you can get really laser clear and just trust instantaneously, yes, no, or not now. <laughs> and, you know, that I encourage everybody because sometimes we try to think ourselves through life. Mm -hmm. And it's, I don't, for me anyway, it's, it's a very kinesthetic process. Yeah, that's uh, something I'm definitely trying to break for myself because uh, we were just talking about this in a recent episode that at the time of us recording this, we're recording this at the end of July, but we just had an episode come out with Brittany, the owner of Agate Alley. And I was telling her too, I really struggle with existing up here in my my upper <laughs> upper energy centers. I don't know if you're into human design at all or um, anything like that, but uh, I definitely, it's something that I am actively working on, but uh, it's definitely a whole process to kind of make that shift, especially when you're so used to living in your minds and thinking everything through and trying to make decisions by logic. And like, after a certain point, I feel like you almost kind of forget <laughs> that you have uh, an intuition and you have like all of these other senses other than like just trying to make these decisions through your head. So I was yeah. curious. Well, it's a, it's a whole cultural orientation that we're surrounded by in the West. I mean, you know, I can't really, I didn't grow up in the Asian, but I know that going back to Descartes saying, you know, I think therefore I am, everything was oriented towards, you know, the cerebral process. And where there are other cultures, whether they be South American or Arab or indigenous, that never really departed from living from the heart. And so they don't have quite as much work as we in the West have to do to come down into the heart to access that wisdom. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree, agree with that. Uh, I also I did want to ask you as well, um, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but healing through art is definitely a significant aspect of your work. And I was just curious how you believe that art can be used as a powerful tool for healing not only the artist, but also the person viewing the art as well? Oh, that's a good question. Well, along the journey, as you've heard, I thought, oh, if I become an art therapist, I can help people with art and that will support my art. And um, I, I, I kept realizing I was sort of dancing around, just completely committing to my art. But in my art therapy degree, I developed, well, I didn't develop it. I was using something called the insight drawing method which was a technique that this sculptress, Susan Smiley, developed, which is a very specific way of drawing extremely accurately. And I took that to the Goodwill Day Treatment Program, where they had schizophrenics and bipolar people. And I learned that not only in the process of them learning this very disciplined, methodical approach that gave very excellent results, even for people with no background, but it was the rapport between myself and the student that was healing. So not only was the student being healed by 
seeing that they could produce something so fantastic in such a short time. And so their self-esteem was raised. But the trust between myself and them was giving them an opportunity to open up and to realize that they could have a different type of relationship than maybe what they had come from in their family of origin or who knows. So there was sort of, it was a two-pronged approach, not only the doing of the art, but the art and the art and the, the, the patient and the art therapist, that rapport is a healing process. So that's one aspect or, you know, two-pronged aspect. And then with my current teaching where I'm introducing people to working with ink, it's similar in the sense that they have that magic of discovery of what they can do. You know, they first of all, it brings them into the moment because working with ink and the brushes, you know, we center ourselves, we do a little meditation. So there's a nice sense of relaxation, which is conducive of an expansion of consciousness. And then they start to listen by just realizing that if they give the opportunity for their instincts to lead their hand and their brush, they come out with something that, you know, is powerful and magical and so interesting and they amaze themselves. This is after learning maybe a preliminary discipline of just how to use the brush properly and so on. And so, you know, I think the pleasure of doing the art is healing from the standpoint of just bringing a person into that moment and realizing there's nothing missing in this moment. This moment is completely full. And the art is a vehicle for that centering. And then, of course, the magic of the results of the brush and the ink, because I haven't talked about it, but you know, I do a lot of big brush painting. And so my ink classes introduce people how to work with a giant horsetail brush. And it's a very spontaneous process that starts with emptying the mind and clearing the mind of any overriding intention and just opening up to, you know, the impulse and not trying to control things. So being in that surrendered state is, you know, exciting and stimulating and you realize you know, trusting something bigger than ourselves leads to good things. Wow. Yeah. I, I have questions about that brush. <laughs> where where do you get the, the giant horsetail brush from? Or do well, you make it? This one I made. I've made several. I was introduced to making them through a woman named Barbara Bash. I don't believe she teaches this process anymore. But I have made more since, but I've had to order... The horsetails from China. There are several people that raise horses for trimming their tails for just making brushes. And um, it's a simple process, but you can buy, you can buy large, let me show you one more. Um, if I can take it, yeah. Whoop. This is a, a goat hair brush. It's a pashmina goat. And, you know, you can go on the internet and, and find sources for this type of big brush so in fact i bought this one in an antique store a very kind of high-end antique store but they are now available you know if you seek on the internet that's 
Very cool. So what is it when you're using that kind of brush? Like, what does it kind of look like? Is there like a stance or like? <laughs> well, the way I was taught by Barbara Bash in another uh, class is we were in a big Zen studio and they had those nice meditation cushions and pads. So she had two rows of cushions where all the students were sitting around this, you know, great big uh, drop cloth area. And she had pieces of butcher paper torn off ahead of time. And she had a bucket of ink to the right of the main head cushion. And she simply cleared her mind and bowed and from a kneeling position and, you know, dipped her brush. And so when she's bowing to the paper, she was sort of surrendering to the moment, surrendering to the larger spirit. And she would take her brush and just let a single stroke rip. And then she would place the brush back in the bucket. She would bow one more time. And then she had a little, little container of red paint that she would then put her signature or a little red dash somewhere because she felt that the red completed the, the composition. So that opened a big door for me because I wanted to, you know, have that surrender um, that I, I'd learned. I'd seen somebody else work from an intuitive process, and I loved that. But the ink was a whole new, you know, expansive realm to, to explore that. That I'm going to have to see about trying that myself because that <laughs> I don't know what it is about that brush, but I just I need one. I need to. I kind of want to make my own now and just like, just try it out. Cause I'm a big, I'm like a big digital art person. And I feel like a lot of what, what you've been describing pretty much this whole episode of, of like the, the connection and like with like, you know, just using a brush and like making art in a traditional way. I feel like a lot of that kind of gets lost with digital art. So I definitely, that's something I want to try. I've been trying to incorporate more, traditional artwork into I've, I've never been much of a painter but I've always loved inks so oh. <laughs> well, you're giving me an idea because somebody else asked if I would teach um you know making the horsehair brushes and I have several more here to show you but I'm attached to the headphone but maybe I'll offer an online class for making a big brush yeah that would yeah I would I would honestly I would love that that would be yeah. so much fun. I'm going to go on the list. All right. So another thing that I wanted to talk to you about today is astrology. So I know that it was mentioned to me by through my research of you when planning this episode out that you have astrology is another one of your uh, areas of expertise. So I was curious how does astrology intersect with your artistic practice? And have you found any correlations between astrological elements and artistic expression? Well, I'll have to, you know, qualify that I don't consider myself having any degree of expertise, although I have a great interest. I think somewhere in one of my bios, it says, you know, something like, although astrology doesn't determine my sense of self, having five planets in Leo does explain to some degree why I'm so, you know, excited about self-expression. But 
you know, over the years, I've just continued to pay attention and read and listen. And I have pretty faithfully gone to my trusted astrologer like once a year for an overview. But the way I look at astrology is like everything else. It's energy. We're all energy. The planets are energy. They have frequencies and we're able to measure them. And even, you know, angles create interference patterns. And so I stay open to it all. I don't, you know, I think ultimately the most important thing is free will and a person's attunement to their own spirit. And that's where decisions must come from, despite wherever the planets are. But I pay attention because I think that those energetic fields have a tendency to set up conditions that we as energetic beings are susceptible to. And so the classic example is when the moon is full, you know, there are more accidents and crimes and acts of passion because the water in our body is affected by the gravitational pull of the moon. But in terms of how it affects my art, I can't say that I ever think about astrology in terms of my art, other than, you know, I have become wary of doing things during Mercury retrograde, because, you know, there can be a lot of frustration if you're trying to go forward with something new. So I've, you know, that I definitely (laughs) have learned the hard way to, um, Pay attention to when Mercury is retrograde and when it goes direct. But other than that, I don't think it has much effect on my art other than, as I said, you know, being a Leo with, you know, all sorts of planets in my fifth house, I think is probably explains why I am happiest when I'm creating. Like when I am, you know, doing my work, like it's better than anything. I just, I'm happy. I'm completely content. And I feel like what I'm imagining when it's happening is I'm sharing that love with viewers. It's like, I'm hoping that when people see my art, which maybe will answer the second part of your question, is that they're going to feel what I felt in the process of my doing it. Like, I'm hoping that on some subtle level, the radiation that's coming either from the canvas or the paper or the scroll that people that maybe are not that cerebral are just going to feel it they're just going to have an open heart and say oh yeah like she was caught up in something that was you know really breathtaking you know that would be my my hope of all hopes that people could feel that inspiration that I felt when I was doing it yeah wow that's that's a really good way to word it as well I am very into astrology <laughs> as well. I use it every single day. And I uh I've not I don't think I've yet had a chance to fully explain how I use astrology, uh but it's it's pretty much exactly what you described. Like you said, everybody has free will. I definitely don't believe in people using astrology as like an excuse for why they can't do certain things. And I know that that's the biggest critique of astrology is like, well, why would you use it as kind of like an excuse? But for me, the best way that I found to describe to people who don't really utilize astrology or understand um, that like different planets have different energy and the, the placements that these planets are in 
can kind of give different energy to your personality and like the transits of the current energy that is happening and how it's affecting you. Uh, I always tell them, oh, it's kind of like checking the weather (laughs) in a sense. Like, should I, should I wear a jacket today? Should I wear, should I bring my umbrella? Like, it's just kind of like that where, you know, I am carefully following the transits and currently there's a lot of things happening astrologically right now. Uh, at the time of us recording this, we just had Venus go retrograde. The North and South nodes just moved into Aries and Libra, which I'm in Aries rising. So I have Aries rising as well. Really? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Maybe it's an Aries, an Aries rising thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have Leo placements though. I have my North nodes in Leo. Oh, very good. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to tack on one more phrase to answer your question about how people that view art can be healed by it. And of course, people can see representational art and be healed by an image or a design or the geometry. But I'm, with my work, I'm my highest hope would people be connected to spirit. It's like I want the highway to them experiencing the, you know, the glory and the perfection of our existence to be translated. It's like, you know, do you realize that we're moving in this ocean of perfection, you know, that we are unlimited beings, you know, created by this infinite intelligence. And so, you know, that's really what I'm hoping that when people look at my art, that they'll feel that connection and that maybe they'll want to explore that more. Yeah. Wow. Do you, do you talk about that in your, in your memoir? You know, my memoir is very much focused on my relationship with this Moroccan artist and we both shared a deep spirituality and his work was profoundly spiritual, but I was not mature enough to articulate it as I am now and he was Muslim. He was he was raised in Morocco, and so he had a very poetic way of articulating it um, from his point of view. Whereas I had come from my deepest orientation from about spirituality had come from the Urantia book. So I was speaking with him about that, and he would find an equivalent expression from the Quran. But we didn't talk so much about you know, being conscious channels, but he definitely was. And when I look back at my journal and some of the things that he said and did, he was absolutely living that. And that's why I loved him so much. And I was crazy about his work because I could see he was completely guided, you know, with his process. And when I stand in front of his paintings, I do feel that that wow, you know, like that his connection was so deep and profound that um, I wanted to learn how to do that. But his technique was sort of, he was secretive about it and I didn't know how he did it. And so I had to go find my own way. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like, I feel like everyone has artists that kind of spark that within them too. So I'm curious, though, uh, in in your memoir, do, do you talk about any like, are there any really profound or memorable experiences or turning points that you can maybe share that had 
a really profound impact on your life or your artwork? Well, you know, the evolution of the memoir, the storyline, you know, is when I'm 20 and I meet him and I fall in love, you know, very awed by his work, but I'm more or less struggling to find my own creative connection and on one hand I'm sort of blocked on the other hand I just you know I'm just swore you know swimming in ideas and I don't know how to sort of narrow the field and so the arc of the book comes to current time and one of the scenes that I describe is when I was visiting Astoria Park on one very sunny day in January it was warm enough people like we're just taking their jackets off. And I did this meditation, which involves this breathing method. And I sort of got this download of a vision. And again, it was something very clear about, you know, having the body as a vehicle and all the energy and the colors and the frequencies and all the different metallic paints I was going to use and very much wanting to share that with other people in terms of a process, wanting to invite them to my studio and have them do a similar thing where they're using an outline of their body, their literal body, and filling it with the colors and imagery that, you know, they're moved by through their meditation, like whatever comes to them in a meditation. That was just one scene. In terms of a turning point, well, I think that through the struggle of the relationship, I came to a turning point of having to leave in order to really focus on my own work because I wanted so badly to help him receive the kind of success and attention that he had had earlier in his career that I wasn't really able to fully focus on my own. So I, I had to make that difficult decision to leave, but we stayed still very close friends. And then, you know, I've just continued to work at figuring it out every day since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So can you talk about the motivation behind, I guess, I guess you already kind of touched on that, but um, just the, the motivation behind like meeting, yeah, I'm, Sorry if I pronounced the name wrong. Ahmed y- Yacobi, is that Yacobi. correct? Yeah, that's very yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. So how how did that whole project begin? Like, okay, well, I was in Colorado trying to figure out my purpose, and when I decided, the only thing that was a consistent desire was to translate these images that would come to me in meditation. So my father, having been an art director in New York, said, well, there's no place to go to art school but New York. And I was like, oh, I never really wanted to live in New York, but I didn't argue and I came to New York and I wound up going to art school. And I think it was before the classes started, I went to an art supply store here in Manhattan and I was looking at canvases and linen and this Moroccan gentleman was looking at them at the same time and he started to talk to me and well, (laughs) I don't want to give it away, but you know, it's all covered in the memoir, but we chatted a little bit and then I, I was young and shy and I left the store and I felt after I started to walk up 
the sidewalk, I felt my heart drop. And it was strange because, as I told you, I wasn't connected to bodily sensations at that time. But I remember feeling that. And I didn't pay, you know, I just noticed it and I kept going. And then about three days later was the 4th of July. And I was walking down on Canal Street to see the fireworks. And here's the same man coming along with his bicycle and this big smile. And I was like, oh, that's coincidental. So he asked if I wanted to go for tea. And I said, okay. And I didn't realize what he meant was he was going to serve tea to me from his loft. So we wound up walking up Lafayette Street and going on Great Jones where his loft was. We went up this big, clunky freight elevator, which was a little like, oh my gosh, what am I getting myself into? And then ultimately we went back into this beautiful space where he had his paintings hanging. And I was just like, oh my God. I was having this bizarre kind of deja vu experience of thinking that these were my paintings or how did this man paint my paintings? I've seen these paintings before. It was really uncanny. And then we sat down, we had tea, he was showing me his portfolios of all his exhibitions around the world. And I was like, well, why aren't you like universally famous? And he was like, well, he didn't have an explanation. And so basically from that day on, I just felt, well, I wound up getting to know him better, fell madly in love with him and really wanted to help his career and moved in with him and went to art school and kept kept going from there. Wow. I that's a crazy story. I always like it's so interesting to me when I hear people say, "Oh, like I had I had this experience or I met this person and then, you know, I walked away from the situation thinking like not thinking anything of it and then they keep like showing back up in like the weirdest places." It's like the the universe like giving you a little push like, "Okay, the, this direction." <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, speaking of astrology, Oh, I don't know if it was a year later or several years later. I looked back at this computer printout. You're not old enough to remember, but computer printouts used to have like these holes on the edges where they'd get printed out from like a word processor. And I had ordered a computerized, you know, reading and it had it month by month. And sure enough, on that day, that July 4th, it says you'll be meeting somebody, you know, life changing. And I didn't know it at the time, but I looked back and I was like, oh my God, it's so accurate. <laughs> wow. I've, yeah, I've definitely done that and gone back into my astrology and been like, well, I want to see if like there was anything that was fated to happen that's already happened. And then I would go and I would look at my transits for like years prior and just look for, look for things. And it's always so crazy how it lines up. The day that I quit my corporate job to pursue my business, I actually, not only did I have a Mars return, my Mars return was on that exact day, Wow! which probably wasn't the best day to quit a job because I was very <laughs> hostile about it, I should say. But uh, especially as an Aries rising too, you know how that is, <laughs> ruled by Mars and passion and stuff. Um, but it was the exact day of my Mars return and also the exact day of 
the transiting, I believe it was the transiting Uranus went right over my Saturn, my natal Saturn. Oh, wow. So it was a really profound energy (laughs) of doing that. So I always, sometimes I think about, like, think back on things that have happened in my life. And that's like an example where I'll sit here in the present day because I only quit my job just a little over a year ago. And I would be sitting here thinking, oh, I did it too early, like the timing wasn't right. And then I remember, oh, well, the energy was kind of perfect for it. So maybe maybe I didn't start too early. Because I know that's the thing that people say is start before you're ready. Oh, I like that. Well, it looks like you have done marvelous things in a very short time. So kudos to you. Thank you. I'm working on it. I always there's always something to do. <laughs> that is for sure. So uh, I also wanted to ask you the the insight drawing method, working with creative arts therapy. These are different aspects of your career. I'm curious as to we and we did we talked about this a little bit earlier. All my questions are kind of similar, <laughs> but I'm curious as to how these practices contribute to your artistic philosophy and your vision too? Well, specifically with the insight drawing method, I, I sort of teach that in the context where it seems appropriate. Like when I was teaching at the Alpha Studio Workshops, which was purely about decorative painting, there was an invitation for the staff to all teach one another something. So I said, oh, Maybe I'll bring the benches in because this method uses a specific kind of drawing bench. And so I brought in six benches and we had a nice big room. We could clear the tables and, you know, the, the staff were, all had artistic backgrounds. And, you know, they were really excited and interested and pleased with the results because they'd never learned anything quite like it. It is similar to one other technique that's out there, but this still goes even further. But it it does require patience. And I think part of the healing process with the inside drawing method is because you're literally told step one, step number one, you, you sit on the bench a certain way. Step number two, you put the paper in this way. Step number three. And so it's like very methodical. And if you simply follow those instructions that this sculptress, you know, figured out masterfully and documented, you will be able to draw something in three dimensions very accurately, very quickly. And then it, you know, if you continue, you learn all about line quality and shading. And, you know, you go from a very simple object like a closed cardboard box to the complexity of a human figure or some life form that has all these curves, complex curves. And so by having the discipline of just having to come back and do each step correctly, your mind, your brain is trained. It's sort of like cognitive behavior to keep coming back to do each thing one after another. And so your thinking becomes very coherent. And it helps you to feel calm and centered and realize, oh, well, if I can do that step by step, well, maybe when I go to write this composition for this entirely different purpose, my mind now is already thinking very coherently in terms of what's step one, what's step two, how do I, you know, 
And so the, the profoundly healing process for that is, I believe, you know, bringing the brain into a very coherent state. I, that's interesting. I never, I never really thought of it like that. That's very well, cool. <laughs> you know, if I ever am able to give the on, you know, the inside drawing method online, you know, I'd love to have you try it and critique it. And some people that have artistic backgrounds find it more difficult because they want to do things their old habitual way. So this does require like, just drop everything that you think you know, and let's start with this method. And, you know, the results speak for themselves. They come out with beautiful drawings. Yeah, I definitely, I would definitely be interested in doing that because I, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in uh, doing things different ways, but I also, I, I'm not really, as an artist, I'm, I want, I want to say self-taught, but I don't even really know if I believe in the word self-taught anymore because we kind of just learn from our surroundings and our environment and the situations that we're in. But I didn't go to art school or anything like that. So <laughs> I don't have like a traditional way of doing things. I've just always kind of like figured it out the way that works best for me. So whenever people talk about different types of, of methods of doing things, I'm always really curious to try it out <laughs> well that's wonderful yeah I think that that's that's the best thing that's how we keep growing and keep you know accumulating and integrating everything that we're given yeah uh, I did I did want to ask you because we are coming up on an hour and I wanted to fit in my last couple of questions before we wrap up but I wanted to ask you about Reiki are you you're a Reiki master that's I right am. you yes. are a Reiki master okay uh, I wanted to ask you how how you kind of got into that and how energy healing and like those types of modalities, how they kind of inform your approach to healing through art. Well, <laughs> from a pretty early age, I'm going to say in my... Well, it's not early to you, but looking back, I would say in my early 30s or late 20s, I really wanted to be a healer. I really wanted to heal other people. And I don't think I understood at the time that I think I was craving for my own healing. And I think I thought that if I was able to heal other people, you know, then I would feel so good, but it was sort of a codependent motivation when in fact, the more I learned about healing and the more I healed myself, the less I needed to heal other people. <laughs> but when the, op well, first I went to work for a psychic healer, a man that actually had a gift. And I was a receptionist for a while for this gentleman who, he was a musician and he observed a terrible car accident I think it was the Belt Parkway in Brooklyn one time, and this woman was thrown from her car and was all banged up. And he rushed to her, and by his putting his hands on her, somehow, by the time she was taken to the hospital and he inquired about her the next day, the doctor said, like, there were no broken bones or anything, and she would, like, nobody could believe it. And he realized that something had happened in his process of touching her. And so I wound up going to work for him, and oh, I just wanted to do what he could do. I just 
wanted that you know magical power of being able to lay on my hands and have people you know instantly heal but he never found time to teach so eventually when uh, I learned about Reiki and there was a teacher from Croatia teaching in Manhattan and a friend told me about it I just jumped on it so I learned my first level and that was the beginning then another teacher took me through level two and three and mastership and you know it was just phenomenal you know what this very simple technique which is completely universal we're all wired to do it and to receive it that you know that was the first step in my healing journey and then I learned other methods like EFT which is tapping on acupressure points and then I became certified in that and then I became certified in a method called resonance repatterning which is again taking the principle that we're all energy and learning that if we shift our frequencies we will shift what we're a match to and so that is that took me 12 years to get certified in that discipline so these have all been methods for me to go deeper in my own self-understanding and so when I'm working with students I believe that that's all coming through you know on a subtle level my understanding my insights how I can support them what choice of words I use you know that I think all the healing is now just an intuitive process for you know when I'm walking around in the world wow okay that's that's so cool I you kind of already answered this question I was going to ask you so um I I definitely agree I feel like we are all kind of wired to uh do Reiki to some degree because like the first like when when you get hurt or when you hurt yourself like your initial instinct is to just put your hands there I I passed a, a kidney stone last year not this year but last year in February and I was just like holding my side the whole time because I don't know that's just like your innate instinct as a human being is is to just do that but I also I'm I'm so curious do you think there are are people that are kind of more naturally gifted in in healing that are more don't know how to word this but like do you think there are people who kind of have like a natural inclination to and pick up on faster to like do things like reiki and all of the other healing modalities you described well only through experience have i observed and this gentleman was the perfect example he wrote a little book about his experience and um, it was called the reluctant healer because he had no interest in being a healer. He was a musician. He was on his way home from a concert when suddenly he discovered this and he started helping family members and then friends started asking him. So he became a healer out of the fact that he was given this gift. He just had it. There are other books that I've read about other people that also, for whatever reason, they're just born with it. And so the answer is yes. Some people choose to either, you know, push it away or some people embrace it but I do believe that anybody that wants to can cultivate it and it's just about putting your intention on you know developing those abilities and if there's a, de a desire there you know it can lead to such beautiful places you know to help oneself and to help others so I you know yes and yes you know yes I think some people have it naturally 
it astounds me. Some of my girlfriends are just so innately intuitive. It's like without any training, they can just say and zero in on something that's so profound. It's like, oh my gosh, how did you know that? But it's just because they have that. And then other people may have studied healing, but come through it again, maybe a little bit more intellectually. And, you know, but that's the type of client or patient that they'll attract. And so nothing is lost. There's no right or wrong, just different. Yeah, that's interesting. I I think about that a lot because I definitely, I have like a pretty strong interest in the healing space and in astrology and, you know, all of, all of that stuff. It's all, it's all kind of connected and all kind of in the same space. But I, I also like, I don't feel like I'm one of those people who's like naturally like a gifted, like a gifted healer. Cause some people, I feel like you, you walk into a room and you can just feel like their energy is just so healing and so calming. And it's, it's hard to, I feel like with your own energy, know what type of energy you have, like how your how your aura affects the people around you and like what your gifts are. And I feel like that's where I am. I'm still figuring out like, huh. I mean, if I have a desire to learn Reiki, it could be part of my path. Like you said earlier, we all have free will. I can decide to do whatever I want. But I also kind of am in a space where it's like, well, I have to be very selective with like what I decide to do because there's only so much time that I'm incarnated here. <laughs> so that's wise. That's very wise. Yeah. And you'll, you'll just keep paying attention to, you know, your feelings and how you're drawn and who knows, you know, maybe a Reiki class is going to pop up near you and it's just too close to turn away <laughs> or something else will have a stronger pull, but that's good that you know that, we do have to be discerning with where we put our attention, whatever is most important, because time is going so quickly now that, you know, we have to cherish it. Yeah, it really, it really does go by quickly. Um, I do have one more question for you before we get to your self self promo. Um, I just want to ask, I have to ask every guest that comes on Artwise this because it's just the most important question ever. If, if you could give a piece of advice to a younger version of yourself or maybe somebody else who's trying to take a similar path as you, uh, what would you tell them? Ooh, that's a good one. Huh. I would say take good care of yourself. You know, for me, my path has not been an easy road from the standpoint of having to overcome a lot of battles and obstacles and resistances and fears that I didn't even know about. And art, trying to be an artist, you know, I originally thought that that was going to be a relatively easy path. That, oh, I'm just going to spend my days painting. Well, you know, it has not been easy. And I think nowadays for young artists, I would still encourage them to find a way to have financial support because I have spent so much time, you know, worrying about how am I going to pay my bills when had I maybe been guided with loving wisdom from an earlier age that, well, that's great. You know, we want to support your art, but make sure that you can take care of yourself, you know, and not in an oppressive way of having to surrender doing the art, but just find a way to support yourself so you can be free in your mind 
when you do have time to do your art, to really enjoy it and not worry about, oh, how am I going to pay the rent or how am I going to pay my studio or, you know, all of these concerns. So it's just in a loving way, you know, take good care of yourself. Like really, you know, learn to appreciate the work that you're doing at every phase. Like I know we're so critical about our own work. Well, try to quiet the inner judge and just see everything is a stepping stone and just have fun and enjoy it and follow your heart. I mean, really creatively follow your, your joy while taking good care of yourself. Wow. That's really good advice. That's awesome. <laughs> I well, so. I do, I do want to give you uh, some time to do your self promotion. I know you have a, quite a bit of things to promote. So um, go ahead. The floor is yours. Anything that you want to promote? How can people find you? Where can they find you? And how can they support you and what you're doing? Oh, that's so nice. Well, I haven't anything organized, but um, if people want to see my art, there is a website, carolcannonfinearts.com that has a pop-up right now that will take you to another little landing page that explains about the upcoming exhibition opening August 1st on Cape Cod. It's in Eastham, which is a little town south of Wellfleet in Provincetown. It's going to be a fairly good-sized show in this very beautiful contemporary library. It's going to be 70 feet of wall space of, you know, my work and my most recent work. If people are interested in my decorative painting, because I have supported myself most of my life through doing decorative painting in people's homes. So that is a website called carolcannondecorativepainting.com. If they're interested in reading about my healing work and all the different sources of inspiration there, I have a website called becomingcelebration.com. And soon I'm going to have my website for the memoir, you know, to come out, but that is, I have to still fix some photos on that. And lastly, if you're interested in this Moroccan artist, you can look him up by his name, ahmedyakoubi.com, A-H-M-E-D-Y-A-C-O-U-B-I.com. I think that covers everything. Wow. Okay. Thank you so much, Carol, for coming on. Anybody who's listening, as always, all of those links are going to be in the episode description for easy access. Uh, so definitely check them out. Go support Carol. I'm so excited. Thank you again so much for coming on. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to sit down and talk to me. I think it was an amazing episode and I had a lot of fun. Oh, it was a total pleasure. Thank you so much for your interest and your enthusiasm. And I enjoyed learning about you and I hope to stay in touch so I can hear how your business develops. And so I really appreciate your time and attention and all those listening. Yes, absolutely. I, I have your email now, so we will we will stay in touch. Perfect. Perfect. I, yeah. And if you guys are listening and you've made it this far into the episode, I just want to say thank you so much for uh, listening. And if you want to support the ArtWise podcast, as always, our support links will also be down below in the episode description. Um, so thank you so much to everyone who made it this far. And I will see all of you guys again next Tuesday. Bye, everyone. Thank you.